0: Um, so, for those of y'all who don't know me, I'm Ben, I know most of you guys. Um, <clears throat> so, I've had big things on my mind this week, you know, and now I'm not having like illusions of grandeur. I mean, I've been thinking about large things for some reason this week, I don't know. Uh, we went, the, our, uh, oop, am I not on? Yeah. quite. Move it up a little bit, sorry. Eh, okay. Anyway, big things this week. Um, the, uh, the Bluegrass Band, uh, yeah, there you go, uh, went down to Lake Jackson this week. Where has been, State Parks, when we all have been there? Yeah, thank, thank you, Tommy. Tommy enjoyed this trip. Um, and uh, something that I always had heard they had there, but had never actually seen before, was uh, an observatory. They had like a, like the Houston Museum of Natural Science has a, legit, big telescope thing and a couple of smaller ones, and we walked, walked over to see them, um, and the, uh, the pathway walking from the parking lot down this, you know, they, they don't put the observatory right by the parking lot with all the big street lights and stuff, they put it back in the woods, uh, away from the lights, and the sidewalk going to it, um, we're walking along, and you start noticing there's these little like plaques that say Pluto, and you know, walk a little ways further, and one says Neptune, and they had all the planets, like. Later down and have you know, fun facts about Pluto, whatever. Hey, rest in peace, you know, not a planet anymore. Um, back in my day, we had nine planets. Um, but uh, had some fun facts about the different planets, and it was to scale how far away they were from each other and uh, with the, the, uh, you know, the observatory being the sun, right? And so they're a pretty long way out, you know, past Pluto, and it's several hundred yards more up to the up to the observatory, and all the last, you know, like Earth, Venus, and, and Mercury were all like, you know, a couple of feet from the door of the, of the, uh, the observatory building there. So it was interesting to be be reminded of, of that. Um, while we were walking up there, Blake was was talking about uh, there's a, was the world's largest, uh, solar system model is in Sweden, uh, and they it like takes up, a good part of the country. There's in Stockholm, Sweden. They have this like was it the largest domed building in the world? It's this big event center venue thing, and that models the sun. Like its size is to scale the sun. And they have different uh, parts throughout the city. They have the other planets. Uh, You'll know, have a little model of of Mercury and, and you know Venus and Earth and stuff. And they're like I don't know. I think it said the Earth was like two two feet in diameter or something. This model to this scale, and it was like four and a half miles away from the uh, the Sun, right? Four and a half miles away, the Earth is two feet big. Um, Neptune, see they, they left out Pluto, of course, poor Pluto. Um, Neptune, the farthest away, is 140 miles away from the Sun, and it's like this big or something, it's small. Um, so I, I'm sure you all saw this a lot in like, uh, science class in elementary school, you model the universe and they emphasize how, how big it is, right, and how, you know, to scale, everything besides the sun is itty bitty and very far away. Um, and I, I guess, again, this is nothing new to me to think about that, but I do appreciate being reminded of um, how big the universe is and by comparison, how small we are. Um, do you ever, I remember one time as a kid, the first time I like really thought about this, I was like laying on my back, uh, out in the yard, looking up at the sky, and realized, whoa, that's like, that's out. It's not, it's not just up, it's out. And it just keeps going forever and ever and ever. And if it wasn't for gravity, we'd just kind <clears> of <throat> drift out there. That's a little bit of a terrifying concept. It makes you kind of want to hold onto the ground a little bit. It makes you... Uh, you appreciate the gravity of the situation. <laughs> uh, uh, space pun. Yeah. Um, I always start thinking about gravity when I start thinking about these big things in the universe and stuff. The universe, gravity, all kind of goes hand in hand, right? Uh, I had gravity kind of heavy on my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, I promise. No more. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yesterday... Uh, Ryan and I, Ryan can tell you about this, we uh, had the ceiling fan in the TV lounge was broken and so we had to fix it and um, it doesn't seem that high up there, you know, but to fix it you had to get up to the ceiling to where it is. We had to set scaffolding up, two layers of scaffolding, and you get up there with my, you know, I couldn't quite stand up on the the top level, you know, standing like this with the ceiling of the TV lounge right here, and you look down over the the edge of that and you realize it's kind of high and that tile floor down there is kind of hard, and you start making very careful, calculated movements on the, uh, on the scaffolding, not, you don't wanna move too fast. It, it's good scaffolding, you know, if you ever have to get on that for a Wesley Work Project, you can trust it, it's not gonna fall over. But it still wiggles, and uh, you don't wanna, don't wanna wiggle off it. Um, also became very aware of gravity when we were trying to like, hold the fan. Uh, the way this fan was installed, you had to like, actually remove screws to, by the way, that fan is held into the ceiling by two screws that are about that long and that's it. (laughs) But it's been up there for like 40 years, so it's just fine, right? But anyway, I had to hold it up while we were getting the screws back in, and that fan gets pretty heavy. Ryan can attest, he was holding it up over his head. It doesn't seem that heavy, but you hold it up there for like a minute while I'm getting the tiny little screws in, dropping them on the floor, and that's a fun experience. Um, But anyway, so that's my gravity thingy. But, so I've been thinking about big things. My favorite, story about big things this week though. Uh, comes courtesy of Christy and Ethan Catrone. Um, most of y'all know them. Christy used to work here. Uh, they're awesome, I'm sure you'll meet them. Um, but a few days ago, um, they were at their house. They live about 20 miles out of town between here and Caldwell. And they have a minivan, right? Ethan's car is a minivan, and it wouldn't start. So they had it in the garage I think the battery was just dead. And they realized, okay, well, we can jump start. We can jumpstart this van but the way where the battery was in the van and where the battery was in Christie's car, they couldn't just do it in the garage, it wasn't gonna work out. So I thought, well, we'll just get the van out in the driveway, you know, no big deal. So Christy's out like in the driveway, I guess getting her car ready or set up, and Ethan thinks, oh, well, we'll just, you know, give the van a little push out the, out the garage and we'll roll it out in the driveway a little bit and then we'll, you know, stop it there and take care of things. So he uh, gets in front, and just kind of gives a little shove and it starts, starts moving a little bit, gives it a little more shove and it starts rolling just a little bit. I don't know, y'all have much experience pushing cars? It's, it's something you don't think about until you have to do it. Um, but they're kind of they're heavy, it takes some, you know, some, some pushing to, to get it rolling, but when you get it going it starts to go and especially as the back tires of the van left the garage floor and hit the driveway which is a little bit of a slope it started moving a little, little faster than, uh, than Ethan thought. By the way, I did ask their permission to share this story, so no, don't go with that. Yeah. Um, so the van starts, starts moving, and uh, Ethan didn't freak out. You know, he knew that he could just you know, catch up to, to the van and, and open the driver's door and hop in and hit the brake, and it'd, it'd be fine. But it does start moving a little faster than he had anticipated rolling back toward the fence back at the end of the driveway. And um, so he's not freaking out. It's starting to go until, he sees around the corner Christy runs out behind the van. And now Christy is a superhero in a lot of ways. Y'all know Christy, she can jump in and save a situation. She does all kinds of things. Um, And so I can see how somebody who is so used to being heroic would want to jump behind a rolling runaway vehicle and try to stop it, which she did. And she runs back there and, uh, and puts her hands on the back of the van and starts pushing and, and grunting and um, I think yelling some choice phrases, um, trying to stop this van from rolling away into the fence and stuff. And of course, Ethan starts, starts freaking out. Um, he says, get out of there, you know, move, you're gonna get run over. And um, so here's, communication is key, people. Okay, so remember Ethan's plan was to just you know, jump in the van and, and stop it. And, but the thing is, Christy didn't know that, so she didn't mess up. Communication's key again, because uh, Ethan says, Christy, get out from behind the van. So she kind of does this fancy sort of spin move, kind of you know, back around the, around the side of the van, as Ethan is implementing his plan of opening the driver's door to jump in and hit the brake. So she hits the door, kind of gets knocked down into the ditch. Ethan does jump in and stop the van. But she's okay. She she sprained her ankle. You know, tell her get well soon. But she'll be fine. Um, but the van is large, right? Um, sorry, turning my page here. Um, it's tough to admit that there are some things that are out of our control, right? We like to. We really like to think that we can control our situation. Um, I like to think, like I kind of know that I'm not really that in control of my life, but I like to, It makes me happy to think that. Um, when I'm faced with something that I that I can't that I can't. Well, if I'm faced with something I physically can't do, right? I often even have like machines that that can I can, you know, get the truck out. The thing. I don't know. Y'all see my, I meant to grab it, my giant wrench that I have in the office there. It's like this tall, and you can, you know, turn some serious pipes with that. Um, We have machines help us do things, right? We're in control. Um, But when we face something that is bigger than our control, uh, it's kind of makes you uneasy. Um, We're talking about like, you know, physical things. What about? What about an, an authority who has control over you? You know, do you um, when authority is pushing you to do something, like if a professor is trying to get you to do something? How do you how do you respond to that? Do you uh, do you just cooperate all the time? Do you, you ever push back a little bit? What about your parents? That's the one. That's the one I, I uh, I'm guilty of pushing back more on. Uh, do you? Uh, Do you try to get them to change their mind? Do you challenge, like, be obnoxious and challenge what they're trying to get you to do? Um, So what if that authority is God? Ooh, thank you, thank you. Um, I just realized I skipped my first scripture reading, so we're going to jump back and do that. But uh, it's Genesis 1-1 through 3, I don't really know why I needed to bookmark Genesis 1-1, but I did. Um, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Um, That went along with the space, universe, creation things, right? The universe is big. And if God created the universe, how much, how much bigger does that make God? My second uh, scripture here, though, uh, I think is even more impressive ab- uh, about the, uh, the bigness of God. I don't know, is bigness actually a word? That's what I titled my sermon. I don't know. It seemed like the most appropriate word. But bigness of God. Um, this is in Exodus. Exodus. Um, so, if you all know the Exodus story. Uh, so, Moses leads the, the Israelite people out of Egypt. They've been in slavery. Uh, and, you know, God's leading them through the wilderness. And at some point, uh, they get to this, this mountain called Mount Sinai, right? Um, and that's where God uh, gives Moses the Ten Commandments, right? And uh, when they get there, and Moses is about to go up, go up on the mountain and get the, the Ten Commandments, let me find, make sure I'm in the right spot here nineteen. Here we go. Um, God's telling Moses to tell the people, you know, I'm going to come down on this mountain. So uh, on the third day, he's coming down the mountain. So verse uh, Exodus 19, verse 16 here. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. They stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on, it, uh, descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Another translation I was reading said, the voice of God answered him in the thunder. Like, oh, man. Um, if you were there to witness that event... What would you have thought about the presence of God? Would you have thought there was just this kind of oh yeah, oh yeah, God's over there? Um, if if that that thunder voice uh, said, you know, Brady, do this thing, would you say, uh, hang on, God, I'm busy, I'm busy right now, I'll get back with you, um, or I don't know, God, are you sure? Are you sure about this? Or you can't tell me what to do? Uh, is that is that? I feel like if you witness this. Can you imagine a mountain? I mean, I grew up in the flatlands, right? So I hadn't seen a mountain until I was like a teenager. Um, Yeah, there was not a hill in Brazoria County, I swear. Um, We went to Colorado one time when I was, I don't know, 12, 13, and that was the first time I've really seen mountains. Mountains are big, guys, if you hadn't seen them. They're very large. I realized that when we were driving out across like New Mexico, and uh, we finally saw the mountain going in the station wagon, we'd been going across you know, all the flatlands of Texas, and there's a mountain, and I think, we're almost there, and we're driving toward the mountain. And like four hours later, <laughs> we're still driving, and the mountain's still on the horizon. That's when I realized how big mountains are. So can you imagine the mountain trembling, being surrounded in smoke and fire, and um, like this mountain's being overtaken by this presence of God. That would be an impactful experience, I would think. So, if we're, um, we have this idea that God is, you know, big and powerful, and that's kind of scary, right? If I was there with the Israelites, I would have been scared, to be honest. I probably would have gone and hid. Um, But we're also, so we're told that. We're also told that God listens to us. Right God cares about us, God cares what we want. Um, we talked about this in men's Bible studies the other day uh, it said if you know if um, if God doesn't listen to us or care what we want, why do we pray right? right. So it seems kind of logical that if if we' we're, we're told to pray and all that God obviously wants to hear from us right, right. Um, and even in the Bible, you know there's certain instances, uh, some stories about people talking to God and um, seeming to like, change God's mind about something, which I know, ooh, kind of, God doesn't change. But, um, but there's some stories, uh, just after this, this event at Mount Sinai, right? You know, Moses is up there getting the Ten Commandments, and then Moses and God look down, and um, the, the Israelite people down there have made this golden calf, Right to worship. Um, in the story it says like the, the people were kind of waiting around on Moses and he'd been up there a while and I guess they kind of started thinking well maybe he forgot about us or maybe he's dead. I don't know he's not really coming back and he was our link to God and so now we need a God to to worship and so we, let's just make this golden calf thing. I think that's kind of like you ever like wait on your roommate to get out of the bathroom and you just kind of give up hope at some point, and you go find another bathroom somewhere, you know, go down the hall in the dorm, I don't know. Um, it's kind of along those same lines. Like, they just get tired of waiting. A little little bit bigger consequences in the Israelites' parts. But, um, but they just, they just kind of gave up and just wondered what happened. Um, so anyway, Moses and God are both, both pretty mad about this, right? God's so mad, he, he's like, I'm going to destroy, you know, I give up, I'm going to destroy these people, they're, they're hopeless. And Moses tells God, well, you know, hang on, calm down. God, it's going to be okay. You know, don't destroy them. You've worked so hard. You've brought them out of the land of Egypt. Well, did you do that for nothing? Um, so God says, okay, I won't destroy them. Now Moses goes down and kind of reams them out. But um, God didn't destroy them. He, uh, he did listen to what Moses said. Now that's not the same thing as, as Moses, you know, overpowering God and saying, no, God, you can't do this. But God was empathetic here, right? He listened. Um, so, how do we balance this idea of this powerful, mighty God, uh, and also a God who listens to what we have to say or what we what we care about? Um, the The big, powerful God is is kind of the scarier image, right? I think we like the we like the warm, fuzzy God that that we we hear about. Um, in uh, one example, there's many examples of, of you know warm, loving God uh, in the Bible. Jeremiah thirty-one three, uh, God's telling the Israelite people, uh, "I have loved you with an everlasting love; uh, therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you." Or also the twenty-third Psalm, you know, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." He leads me uh, in green pastures. All that stuff, that's warm, fuzzy God. Uh, that that's much more more comforting, and that's. That's still God, right? It's the same God that, that has that, that tender side. Um, but I think we, we also, we can't forget about the Mount Sinai God, this God that's this immense power that, uh, and this immense presence that's just bigger than anything we can comprehend. I mean, we can comprehend the solar system Right being that big it's it's hard to comprehend, but we can use a measurement for it, you know you can say Pluto's however many millions and millions of miles away, right there's a number there, but it might have being bigger than we can comprehend um, so I guess the the takeaway for me between those those two ideas of God is um, that I should be encouraged, I guess that. It, if God is so big and mighty and powerful, um, how awesome is it to think that this God uh, wants to know me personally, right? And wants to know you personally? I mean, I get excited when somebody who has more than like one other friend is interested in hanging out with me. Um, but imagine if like the coolest, most popular person in the world, yeah, imagine if Sterling... <laughs> Wanted to be your friend and was like, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go to Waterburger, you and me, you know, yeah." Um, how cool would that would that be if that person was actually like invested in your life? Um, but that's kind of what that's what we see in God, right? If he's he can have anything he wants, and he wants you. Um, and then the second kind of uh, caveat of that is uh, if. The most powerful being in the universe cares about you and wants you to wants the best for you. What have you got to worry about, right? One of the songs we said we sang: "If God, if our God is for us, who can uh, who can ever stop us? Who can be against us?" Um, Yeah, what what have we really got to worry about? What can this world do to us? Um, So, in summary, remember. God and minivans are both bigger than you, okay? Um, you don't have to be afraid of, of either one, right? Um, but it's not a not a good idea to, like, fight them, try to stop them. Uh, the minivan might just run over you and go on with its day, so don't, yeah, don't try to stop a moving vehicle. Um, but God's whole plan, this plan that can't be stopped is to be in relationship with you, right? So, ah, don't try to stop him. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, um, remind us of, of how big and great that you are. Uh, we know it, but um, also remind us of, of how big and great your love is for us. In your name we pray, Amen.